Tim and Wayne. I'm Aaron. This is Paul. This is Wayne. And this is Random What Angry Guy. I'm very excited about something I see in the show notes, Paul. Something that I see right here in the outline. Top of the list. I think we're going to talk a little bit about Chica's Lucas! <laughs> we are. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so Chica's Lucas, Aaron's local strip club that Aaron has been talking about, I don't know, for about six years now. <laughs> <laughs> so Aaron follows them on Instagram. I do. And, and if you and would I tag like to Paul in uh, periodically. Hey Paul, look at this. <laughs> he he does. He <laughs> And um so if you want to follow them, it's Chicas Locus Arlington uh on Instagram. And so I was like, yeah, what the hell? Aaron keeps tagging me on these things and when I go to my notifications and click them, Chicas Locus Arlington is a private feed. So it's not like you can just, you know, Check out your uh, your Locas Chicas uh, without subscribing to the feed. So I was like, ah, what the hell? I'll follow them. Not only have they followed me back, but so is the manager of Chicas Locas. Probably because Aaron keeps tagging me in their feed. Well, yeah. <laughs> so he wants to know who is this guy. <laughs> so now I, I am friends with the managers of Chicas Locas on Instagram. Is that friends, follower? I don't know. Well, you know, we're, we are, you know, when I, when I, when you get into town and we, we roll over to Chica's Locus, you know, they're going to know you at the door. It's going to be like going to Cheers. You know, every, you, you want to go where everybody knows your name, Paul. I'm going to walk in. I'm going to say, hey, I'm at IOM Paul. No, IOM underscore Paul. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. I don't want to get it wrong. That's are right. IOM Paul or IOM underscore Paul. <laughs> Two different guys. Very different guys. But I mean, seriously, Paul, I'm going to pick you up at the airport. We are rolling over to Chica's Locus. You, me, Chica's Locus! So Aaron's excited about Chica's Locus. I'm excited about hitting Six Flags. We'll see what happens. Six Flags isn't happening. Six Flags isn't happening? It's not going to happen. It's totally happening. There's no time for Six Flags. There's time. No. You're not the boss of me. We might have time for three flags, but certainly not six. (laughs) (laughs) You won't have time for one flag. Yeah, you won't have the money for even one flag after Chica's Locus. That's a good point. It's a fair point. I don't know. Paul, Do you really think it. I'm going to spend that much money? You don't think they have some type of blue light special going on there? Paul's going to make it rain. Making it rain. You just say I'm personal friends with the owners. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the manager. Whatever the guy's name is. Yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah, Eduardo sent me. Oh, well, come to the champagne room, sir. <laughs> yeah, it's on us. <laughs> so, speaking of, of uh, inappropriate things, you guys saw Deadpool. So I told I, I told my wife I was having this conversation, and I said I, I had talked to Aaron earlier in the week, and I said, "Is Deadpool required watching before Saturday?" And his answer was, "Not to me." And so I told my wife this, and she threw out a JF and C bomb. <laughs> I said, "What is wrong with Aaron? Is he still sporting the uh, Captain Sparrow eye patch that he can't go watch this movie?" <laughs> I said, no, I don't think so. Juanita's so hurtful. <laughs> you can send her one of those cards. <laughs> um, guys, I gotta tell. I let's just put away, put aside superhero movies. I can't remember the last time I laughed so hard at a movie. I completely agree. It was hilarious, and they didn't pull any punches. There were so many references and in-jokes and Easter eggs all through the movie. 
it, yeah, it was. You can't you can't dream up a better Deadpool movie than we saw. You, you, and you know, I used I used to collect Deadpool, and so I I love the whole pandering to the camera thing that happens. Oh God, I was thoroughly entertained the entire movie. There was there wasn't a single like offbeat to me. Everything. Did you stay for after the credits, Tim? Yes, yes, I stayed for after the credits. Um, was there was an end credit bumper? No end credit. It was literally after the credits. You have to wait for every single credit to finally be over. Um, it's all the way at the end. Everything you saw in the trailers—that's that is the entire movie. Like, like even the parts where they're sort of telling his origin. The, the way they tell it, it it's still kind of in the action. It's, oh God. <laughs> well, so being, an, being an X-Men fan, I loved Colossus in this movie. I thought he was just going to be in, like, one scene. I didn't realize that he was going to be such a big character in the movie. Yeah, I think they expanded, they expanded the role. So, I don't know, I don't want it's hard to talk about it without spoiling it, to be fair. It's okay. I mean, spoil it. At this point, I mean, I'm going to watch it. I'm, I will probably be seeing it today or tomorrow. Um, it's okay. I, I mean, I'm, I, I don't think you're going to ruin much. So, go Okay. Ahead. Wayne, Wayne the, the, open, the opening, like, uh, front credit thing. Yes, I was... <laughs> I started laughing right then. Yeah. Because yep. as they're doing the credits, they don't actually credit people. They do things like, uh, you know, the CGI character. <laughs> it's like directed by some tool. <laughs> oh God, <laughs> so funny. Um, I because I I I, I went with my buddy Wade and I said, Wade, is this is this funnier? Is this better than Guardians of the Galaxy? Because I kind of I kind of separate like the action ones from like the ones that are, are meant to be. A little more humorous, and he's like, "I think it's right there." And damn if I don't agree. Like <laughs> it was really good, and I was a little worried because when the credits came up, because I maybe I didn't notice. I saw it was 20th Century Fox. I turned to, I was like, "This isn't Marvel." It's like, "Oh, it's because it's an X Men character." Duh. Yep. But no, it was. I love pitch perfect. The like the in jokes. The fourth wall breaking was really cool, and it's not something I thought I would like, but I loved the fourth wall breaking. I love the in jokes about the movie itself. Like completely lost it when they make the joke about only being able to afford two X Men. Oh my god, that was the best. Like that was my line. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so funny. Well, I'm glad to hear that that you guys enjoyed it. I I think I'm not a Deadpool fan, and that's the only reason why I didn't see it, you know, last night or am going to see it this weekend. Uh, I, he's just not my guy. But I really like Ryan Reynolds, and I and I hate how much Green Lantern kind of you know besmirched his reputation. And so I, I'm hopeful that this kind of uh, redeems him. They make so many Green Lantern comments. Yeah, he. <laughs> If you like Ryan Reynolds, you like this movie. Just put yes. Deadpool aside. I think Ryan Reynolds is hysterical. Yeah. I love that guy. They make fun of Green Lantern. They make fun of Wolverine Origins. Every, basically, everything that he's been criticized for, they find some way to poke at. Hmm. 
Yeah, no, this is... I, I, I don't want to say it's must-see, but it, it's sort of must-see, Aaron, just for the funniest, because... I. You know, it's going to be hard to beat this by yeah. all of the other movies coming out this year, all the other superhero movies. It's going to be really hard for any of them to be better than this. Although I think I, they'll make more money because they won't be rated R. But I do I do have to say, though, when I saw the, 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 the final dawn of uh, the Batman versus Superman uh, uh-huh. trailer and the end of this one, I was pretty excited too. And I was you like, know, why am I so excited for this movie? It's going to be terrible. I know. Like, I haven't had any hope for this movie, but that trailer looks so good. Yeah. That new Batman versus Superman trailer. The have, Aaron, yeah. have you seen the final trailer? I don't think I've seen it. It is bad ass. I think it's an awesome, it's the best trailer so far. for the It film. is. It's the only one that's given me hope. Really? It's like the rest of them was like, Oh, it's going to be terrible. It's out next month. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, March twenty third. Yeah, we'll get to see that before we see each other. Yeah, hot. Because Mancon twenty sixteen. Oh, it's a thing. Yeah, I'm excited. Who's running? Because I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was wondering about that. Didn't you guys set something up last year to organize who was running games? Yeah, we just haven't, we just haven't put it out there yet. Yeah. So, anyways, Deadpool was tremendously worth it. Um, I got to see it in the one of the like recliner. Oh, nice. Movie theater experiences, yeah. sort of nice because we were in the second row, oh. so it was a little yeah. close. Yeah, so you had like De- Deadpool right there in your face. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when you see the shot of his ass, it is <laughs> goddamn. You can see like, every. There's a lot of ass. Everything. <laughs> <laughs> all I can say, I'll, I'll, and this is an inside joke for somebody. All I can see is say is I sort of imagine. Paul with a unicorn, Wayne, when I saw that last <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> right, I will keep an eye out for it, and I'm sure it's an accurate statement. <laughs> well, you know, you guys were talking about Batman versus Superman, and there was this article that we'll link to in the show notes, probably, if we remember. If we don't, if, if it's not there, I didn't remember. Leave a comment. <laughs> If it's not there, deal with it. Google it. Um, <laughs> so Aaron sent out an article that says, will Batman versus Superman manage to revive the most difficult comic book superhero of all? And it's from the Atlantic. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to read this quote for all the rust and ineffectual tinkering. The storytelling engine built by Siegel and Schuster still runs. Superman remains as inspirational a character as he did during the Great Depression. Considering the current state of rampant income inequality, brutal law enforcement and corrupt politics, the immigrant superhero from the planet Krypton may be more relevant now than he has been in years. What the comic requires now is not another reboot, but a forceful, committed attempt to refine the engine that currently exists, to stop trying to make Superman something he's not, and to focus instead on what he is, end quote. And so this article is, you know, um, basically talking about the difficulties that we've had, in, not we personally, but that comic creators have had in recent years at trying to find the right Superman, the right voice for Superman, the right stories for Superman. Um, you know, there's been a lot of concern about how Dark Man of Steel or, or yeah, how Dark Man of Steel was and how Dark Batman versus Superman um, looks and. You know, it kind of brings up the question, you know, about is is Superman lame? Is he really that difficult? You know, is he is he a character that is he that tough of a nut to crack that people just I mean, it, it is a common statement 
that people either aren't interested in writing Superman because they don't find him an interesting character or he's just, you know, that there's not much to him. I think the problem is people just don't understand the character. They focus on the wrong things, the wrong part of the character. And you get things like Man of Steel. For me, the biggest crime Man of Steel did was Jonathan Kent. You have a character that's supposed to ground him and you know raise him as a Midwest farm boy. And the character instead gives him speeches about how maybe you should have let all of those children die. And it all goes to, you know, it all leads up to the point of Jonathan Kent's death where he asks him not to save him. That is a moment that is a huge crime against the character. Superman, any version of Superman except the Man of Steel version, would have ignored what his what he was asking and saved him. Because that the heart of the character is a character that will not, you know, put his secret above people's lives. And in Man of Steel, like I said, that was the biggest crime of the whole movie to me, was that moment of letting him die. If Jonathan Kent has to die, the point of his death should be a message to Superman that he's not a god and that he can't save everybody. But it doesn't work when Jonathan Kent dies in a way where he clearly could have saved him. He just chose not to. So I think what, you know, when you had Crisis on the Infinite Earths and they rebooted so much of the DC Universe, right? Um you had, prior to John Byrne's reboot in his Man of Steel, the comic, uh, the miniseries, um, Superman was very much your dad. You know, he was he was very much that Kurt Swan Superman that, you know, he was iconic. He was Superman. Clark Kent was the alias, right? What John Byrne did is he made Clark Kent the primary character, meaning that he was the heart and soul of the character, and Superman was the thing he put on, versus Batman, who is actually Batman at his core, it's Bruce Wayne as the disguise, right? So, you know, Clark Kent is more human than Batman is, in many respects. Um, I think that what we have lost... And the re- I, I think the reason why we have lost that, I think the reason why we have lost a Clark Kent that we really like, right, that we respect, that's challenging, um, I think th- the reason why the DC Comics in the New 52 moved away from that is I felt like they 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 wanted to get away from an iconic Superman because I think they felt like the iconic nature of Superman, the the you know great American hero was off-putting in the marketplace, that they needed to make him edgy, you know, thus the Grant Morrison action comics, uh, you know, with him wearing, you know, rolled-up blue jeans and a T-shirt, <laughs> right? Uh, as if that's going to fix the problem. Yeah, I think that's where they really got the character wrong, is a lot of characters don't need to have that iconic status. Yeah. Superman I- is the one character that he is that iconic status. He is the icon all of the other heroes look up to. He's the exception where people still love him despite him being an alien. Right. You know, he's he is that thing to strive for and that that's one of the things that is inherent in the character that makes him 
different than other heroes. There are that, some things in the article that I strongly disagree with. Uh, for instance, you know, it talked about you know one bad one bad storyline after another, up to and including the death of Superman. Which I'm sorry, I, I may I, I maintain that here we are, what twenty years after. And uh, it's one of the best comic book stories I've ever read. Yeah, uh, Death of I, Superman. I I go back to that one constantly and yeah. reread it. It people kind of give it a lot of flack for being just a one big fight scene and for being a gimmick. But bottom well, line is that really showed the core of the character. Well, he was a character that was not willing to stop. He wasn't willing to back down. He was, you know, he was going to keep fighting to save his city and save the world yeah. to the point that he left it all on the field. Right. And it's not – when we talk about the death of Superman, we're not just talking about, you know, he get he hits the guy so hard the guy dies and the guy hits him so hard that he dies and they both go down a la, you know, Rocky, <laughs> right? That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the sacrifice and we're talking about the aftermath, you know, all the things that happened – uh, you know, after that, um, you know, the, the, the heroes who stepped up, the villains who took who, who, who seized the opportunity, the changes that occurred in Metropolis. And I'm sorry, the, the stories that rolled out of that are just fantastic. Think about the, 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 the changes that happened in all of that. You had Hal Jordan, uh, you know, uh, turn into parallax, you know, out, out of out of that storyline. Um so I disagree with that part of the, the Atlantic article. But what I do agree with is that the Superman that we have right now is not a very interesting character. And when I'm talking about the Superman we have right now, I'm talking about New 52 Superman. I'm not talking about the Superman that appears in Lois and Clark, the Superman from the, the uh, pre-Flashpoint uh, world. Um, <clears throat> the Superman that we read in Action Comics and in the Superman comics um, – is not somebody I'm particularly interested in. I, I, I think there's a lot about him I don't like. I think that DC is embarrassed about aspects of the character that they shouldn't be embarrassed about. Uh, I still maintain that put, uh, taking his uh, red shorts off the costume was a mistake. I think that's something that sets him apart. <laughs> you know, I like that look. Um, I know that, that I'm probably the minority there, but I cannot stand the movie Man of Steel costume. I can't stand the costume that's in the comics. I like that, the, the older costume. But that aside, there are – Superman in the 30s and in the 40s was an edgy character. You know, he was he was tackling those menaces that were actually menacing society. You know, the, the, the article talks about the very real scenario in which the Superman radio serial was responsible for eliminating a huge chunk of the KKK. The article talked about, uh, you know, the, the street violence, the gang violence, that, you know, uh, organized crime violence that, you know, Superman uh, uh, took on in the comics. You know, these are very real threats. He obviously fought World War II, right? Um I think those are things that that we we shouldn't shy away from. You know, I could see you know any number of circumstances where Superman intervenes in something that's a little bit more real world, and that would be a little bit more interesting to read. You know, let's let's make that character you know uh, credible. Let's make that character heroic, and let's make the character challenging. 
And that's kind of what I'm interested in. Uh, I miss my old Clark Kent. I don't feel like the hero that we have now as Superman is necessarily heroic. Um, you know, at, at his core, you know, old Clark Kent was he he was the hero glasses on or off he was the hero and what we see in the pages of of new 52 superman is a hero who really doesn't know what he's doing which is fine i get that you want to tell that story you want to tell the story of a hero who's finding himself but let's please do that somewhere else (laughs) let's not do that as our as our you know uh, flagship character in the universe in his current ongoing story. Maybe that's a maybe that's a limited series, or maybe that's a maybe that's a flashback or something. Okay, but, let's let's, you know, let's 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 back up a sec. He's not the <laughs> flagship of DC. Let t- time out. Time out. <laughs> okay, yeah, it, we you, all know where the money is, Aaron. Let's let's be honest. I, I I agree that Batman's where the money is, but Superman is the flagship character. Oh God. He couldn't be somewhere yeah. wrong. All right, Superman so, is where the money could be again if they would get him right. All right, all you Superboy fans have had your moment. Give me, give me two minutes, okay? Okay. So, as readily apparent, if if uh, if we had to rank them, I'm definitely lowest on the Superman fanboy totem pole. Um, that said, there are things that I've liked about this about Superman. When he when I am reading a Clark Kent story, I am infinitely more interested than a Superman story. And when I read, you know, and I, I enjoyed the Superman Wonder Woman books when there was, when they're telling more human aspects of this character, I am infinitely more interested when they are telling superhero aspects of this character. I am not as interested. And that's just a function of how they made the character. Now, I think it's, I think it's pretty safe to say that it's hard in this day and age to have, the, the all-American Boy Scout. There's more people are interested in the Shades of Grey type of character. Even characters that weren't like that before, they write like that now somewhat because they want to appeal to you know the times that they're writing in. Well, and I think it's an international audience as well. It makes it hard to, to you know have him you know fight for truth, justice in the American way when you're trying to sell him in China. Right, that's you fair know? too. Yeah. That, that is fair too. Um, I. I personally like what they're doing with with the with the movie because they're making it more like Injustice, which is, to <laughs> me is really cool. Uh-huh. But to like you guys who are way more fans of Superman, that's not the person that you want. That's not who you think about when you think about Superman right away. Right. So I get that. Is this movie going to make it easier to write a Superman movie or, or or whatnot or restart the franchise? I think. In a way, it is, but they're going to change what what that what that character is about, and that's that's not going to endear it to the fans he already has. Well, no, and that's the problem is it's not selling. Their changes aren't working every time they've been trying these changes. Although Man of Steel did make a ton of money, so it was successful, even yeah, though now it gets a lot of hate. Well, there's no doubt in my mind that Dawn of Justice is going to be a successful movie. I just don't think it's going to be successful in selling more comics. Um, I, I, you know, week in, week out, I just don't think that's the Superman I want to see, and I suspect it's not the Superman other people want to see. You know, it that Superman is is fine for the movies, um, but I, you know, I, I come back to just because you've lived with a character as long as we had, and I'm talking about the John Boone reboot reboot character. Um, 
it doesn't mean that you you should you should lose all that. I mean, I, I really feel like they had it right. I feel like when you when you had Superman in the hands of guys like John Byrne, as much as I as much as I find him to be a rather despicable person, <laughs> you know, he handled the character great. Mark Wade handled the character great. Greg Rucka handled the character great. All these guys had it such a strong voice for the character, and I just I, we see very talented writers over in the New 52 struggling with it. I mean, Greg Pak, who's an amazing writer, hasn't been able to stick that landing over there. And it's got it's got to be you know the editorial. Here's what we're looking for, and yeah, we're not really clear. You know, it really feels like there's not a grounded vision of the character over there this is going to be really surprising coming from me but i think one of the best writers in the new 52 to have done superman was actually grant morrison and i liked that that took place in the past you know i like you were mentioning before Having a Superman that is still learning, that is still struggling for his identity, that is dealing with street-level things, that is fine when it's not the primary book. Right. And for action, that's what it was, is it was a flashback. And while there was a lot I didn't like about that take and that run, I do think it was better than what was going on in the regular Superman book. And it it pains me to give Grant Morrison <laughs> any kind of props, but he did kind of get back to the core of what the character was when it was first created. Yeah, I respect the notion. I didn't care for the execution of what I read. I, now that said, I think I only read the first arc and uh, did not care for it. But I, you know, I, I we talk about this because you know three out of four of us deeply love this character, um, and I, we just we we struggle with. Where it is, I mean, you know, Paul's dropped off of all of the ongoing Superman books right now. Uh, I think Wayne's been out for a while, and I'm picking yep. up uh, Injustice. That's the only Superman uh, and Superman Wonder Woman. Yeah, Superman, Super- Superman Wonder Woman's about to be canceled. So, uh, Lois and Clark is the only one. Fair, yeah, good that all of us are liking. Yeah, and that's not our current New Fifty Two Superman. <laughs> you know, that's the Superman from the previous iteration. Which it's hey, kind of sad. I sit here in my recording studio and i look around at the things i have on the wall and hanging up i've got you know hand a uh, hand drawn by an amazing artist superman uh holding train tracks together i've got superman banks i've got superman mr potato head and then i've got spider-man hanging all around as well and i'm not enjoying the books about any of those characters right now yeah yeah, no, it's it's the the whole thing is just you know disturbing to me, but you know I I I feel like DC is is realizing this. I feel like DC is trying to retool again, and maybe that's what Rebirth is about. Uh, I actually have some hope just from the covers. Yeah. So I've been looking at the solicitations, and some of these covers for the Superman books after Rebirth, it looks more like Superman than anything we've seen in the New Fifty Two. And it's not, I mean, the costume is still, I'm assuming it's going to become Kryptonian armor again, which I never really cared for. But the face looks older and more iconic than we have seen. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, I'd pay good money to get my spit curl back, so just saying. Uh, Paul, you've been quiet over there. Well, you know, I, I thought I'd let you guys uh, get tired before I... <laughs> 
like a boxing match. That's right. You just let it punch. Let, let, uh, let you wear yourself out. Yeah. That now, could take a while, Paul. Yeah. I mean, it, we we've we've noted how we are all you know deep Superman fans. I Superman is my my favorite hero or superhero, I should say. Um, you know, I know, and I know most people would say Batman instead, but for me, it's always been Superman um, from a young age. And you know, I, I I I agree with some of the points that you guys have made. I, I disagree with some of them. I feel, for me, um, what makes Superman iconic for me, or what makes him my favorite hero, isn't the Boy Scout. Isn't the the father figure the you know everyone's dad um, nature of of the character, um, even though that's technically what I was born into you know in the John Byrne era, um, but you know my quintessential Superman writers are are Dan Jurgens and Jeff Johns and of course you know Siegel and Schuster um, at the beginning um, because for me this what I enjoy most about Superman is that he is the man is that he's fallible is that he gets angry and he has emotions and he gets sad and upset and he screws up but in spite of all of it he still ends up doing the right thing even though sometimes he doesn't want to and i feel like writers who can grasp that are the ones that ultimately connect with me more um guys like paul dini uh, you know, in the Superman animated series, we had some of the best Superman stories that I've ever seen, read, or, you know, or any, you know, in any media. Um, you know, when Superman got angry after his friend was murdered by Darkseid and just started wailing on Darkseid's tank, you know, in a fit of anger. That's, you know, I mean, he, he is a man. You know, even though he's an alien, he was raised on Earth and, you know, just like if I was born in Russia, but raised in Virginia because I, you know, I spent 10 minutes in Russia, you know, in my entire life. It's, you know, it's kind of like that. You know, I, I would be an American. I would be raised on American ideals. And that's Superman for me. Paul, are you telling yeah. me you're a Soviet spy? That's exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> I mean, uh, no. <laughs> You've really hit on one of the problems I've had with different takes of Superman lately. He is he was raised in on a farm i mean he's not the character is being portrayed is being portrayed more as alien than midwest i want the midwest farm boy that you know, that is the heart of the character to me he doesn't know you know he wasn't raised on krypton he doesn't know all this stuff about you know he's not he may be an alien but so, even more important he is the kansas farm boy in this day and age, particularly in this political season, yes. uh, you know, immigrant rights are, are are prominent in the news. Don't you feel like Superman as an illegal alien would, uh, you know, champion those? Don't you feel like, do. you know, and, and shouldn't that be something? <laughs> no, here's the you thing. I, I feel like, yes, I feel like that that is something that, um, that and I don't mean it to come out as harsh as I'm as it's going to sound. But I feel like if the company had more balls, uh-huh. we would get that kind of story. No, I think you're exactly right. I think I think that if DC Comics was an an indie publisher, you'd absolutely get that story. And right? I feel like, but I, I feel like it would only be interestingly told if it was from an indie publisher. Because even if DC were to tackle it, it would be in USA Today. Yeah, <laughs> but it wouldn't necessarily be a good story because we had the time where Superman revoked his American citizenship. Exactly, that's what exactly what I was about to say. That they walked away from the next day. Yeah, I mean, I'm no longer a citizen of the United States. Please forget I ever said that. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, you know, we, when you guys reference the Man of Steel and, and, you know, the concerns you have about it not getting to the core of the character and, and things like that, I, I feel differently about Man of Steel. I feel, um, for me, Man of Steel is more my Superman than Christopher Reeve Superman, even though technically Christopher Reeve Superman, you know, was the, the Superman that came out the year I was born. Or, yeah, I think the year I was born or the year after I was born. 78. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that wait, is wait, the Superman. Wait. You don't know what year you were born, do you? I was born in 79. Uh-huh. Yeah. See, Itch. again, sleeper <laughs> In Russia. <laughs> yeah, see, there was so much about Man of Steel I loved, and some of it was, you know, was Clark, well... It's hard to even call him Clark in that version, but no, no, I disagree because he's Clark the entire time. He is Clark the entire time, even when he loses his. I mean, for me, you don't see Superman in that film until the very end. He's Clark the entire time. He's still, you know, he's still learning, and I think that's what I enjoyed about Man of Steel is that it, you know, even though he has the suit, he's still not Superman yet. I, I felt like he was Clark as a boy. I felt like, you know, I, I really appreciated the struggle that they shared with us with him as a child, right? You know, that, that scene where he's in the, in the, the, the closet at school and his mom yes. has to come and help him. I mean, that is, that is moving. We yeah. typically have always seen the very close relationship that Clark has with his father. In Man of Steel, we see a very close relationship between he and his mother, which kind of puts you in the mind of, you know, single parent, that kind of thing. Uh, it was very interesting. But when he makes that move over to man, he starts that search. So you never get to see him have an adult relationship with anybody. So it's almost like he shed his Clarkness when he became searching out, when he started searching out his alien ancestry. And that's what, that's what I object to in Man of Steel is that, you know, in previous iterations of Superman, he's always Clark. You know, he may have he may have thrown the, the the green crystal into the ice and built his fortress of solitude, but he was quintessentially Clark, even though he's wearing the suit. Whereas as he's roaming the world, he seems less and less like Clark and the becoming of Superman. And I guess my I would have felt better had he stayed in touch with somebody other than just his mom, if he'd had friends, perhaps. But we really don't see any friendships that he has as Clark until he starts to build one at the very end of the movie with Lois Lane. Yeah, and I'll, I'll go back to my biggest crime for that movie for me was Jonathan Kent. That really bothers me. Yeah, the, maybe, you let that, the maybe you let the school bus of kids die. I, yeah, I, I got to be honest. I love that part. Uh, I loved that part. I absolutely loved that scene where, you know, I mean, it, because for me it's – it shows that he didn't say let the school bus of kids died. He just didn't have the answer. He, you know, said, he just maybe. said, I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and, and he, you know, cause he doesn't know what to do. I mean, what do you do? And I like that. He I mean, Jonathan Kent, sometimes he's put on a pedestal, you know, sometimes you see Clark's parents put on this pedestal that they are these, um, these never do anything wrong parents. And I don't, you know, it, I like that. I like Kevin Costner's portrayal of Jonathan Kent. I like the fact that that Clark does get a, the learning experience from his father of of you know of letting his father die because his father told him to basically to not reveal his secret and yes the Superman we know would have saved him anyway I'm sorry this a person would have saved him that scene was just ridiculous they have a whole argument in the truck about him using his abilities 
And instead of stepping up and becoming a man and showing that he's on it, you know, he could actually make decisions on his own and saving his father despite his father saying no, he just lets his father die. Or on the flip side of that, and I know we're talking about a three year old movie here, people. Uh, the flip <laughs> yeah. side of that is that, you know, he just had an argument and said, You're not even my real father. And the scene showed that despite. The, the, the bullshit that's coming out of his mouth. He respects his father and his father's wishes. No and one, so, given the option, who loves their father would watch and allow their father to die when they can save him. Well, Not no, even just I mean, Superman. No one. The scene was ridiculous and a, the biggest crime against all the characters involved. What, what I hate about this discussion is that it's put me in the very uncomfortable position of agreeing with Wayne. Um... <laughs> I, I I totally agree with Wayne. I, I feel like, you know, anybody would have saved their father, damn the consequences, you know? Uh, yeah, I, I, I just, I, I, I don't, I can see it both ways in that I, moment. I see what, what they were going for. I, I actually like the scene. I appreciate what you're saying, Paul. But what, I, what I'd like to point out is that you are advocating the degradation of, of our core American values, which is exactly what a secret Soviet spy would do. Well, I mean, patricide is what it was raised on in, in, in Mother Russia. <laughs> I got my eye on you, Paul. And so does Homeland Security. <laughs> I view you as a father figure, Aaron. Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but all that being said, I think that um, clearly we have a deep affection for the character and we're all – very curious what Batman versus Superman will do as well as what the rebirth in DC comics will do. Um, I, I will try to remember to post this link into the show. notes. <laughs> leave us comments, leave us voicemails. Um, very curious to hear what you guys think. Obviously we are passionate about Superman. If you're listening to this podcast and you've been listening to us for a while, hopefully you guys are too. Um, but I got to tell you, Aaron switching to another topic, Oh dear, a character that I am, dispassionate about (laughs) Uh is Badger. Okay. Not Honey Badger. I am passionate as hell about Knights of Rainsboro's Honey Badger. Right. But I'm not referring to Honey Badger. You're talking about Mike Barron's Badger. I'm talking about Mike Barron's Badger, um, who who is, uh, I guess, a poor man's Moon Knight. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, he he is a character from the 80s, uh, published by First Comics back in the day. And... uh, the book is out again, this time under the Devil's Due uh, uh, publishing house, but with a First Comics imprint. Uh, you know, First Comics, I guess, is is Mike Barron's studio, and yeah. he, and you know he maintains that business, but's printing under Devil's Due. And so this is a complete reboot of the character. Um, you know, starting with issue one. Uh, you know, the, the, the book is created by Mike Barron and Jeff Butler, and so it's written this time by Mike Barron with art by Jim Fern. And man, we talked last week or so about the first episode of the new X-Files season uh, and how it was super compressed and how, you know, it's almost like you're watching a, a clip show or, you know, a previously on the X-Files and that's really what this felt like because things just moved so incredibly fast. Uh, there was really no room for anything to breathe in this book. And this book is uh, uh, 30 pages long. Um, 
I, I was surprised at how much they tried to cram in. There was probably two issues of content in this book. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, Paul, you didn't like it. I didn't like it. I'm sorry. Did you like it? You know, I liked it enough to buy issue two. Ooh, uh, I did I, not. I did not love it. Um, but, you know, I, and I know that this is me being nostalgic for the old Badger books. You know, because mm-hmm. because Badger was doing that whole, you know, crazy superhero, uh, you know, uh, you know, just out there beating the shit out of bad guys and, and guys who claim to be good guys, but are actually bad guys. And, you know, I, I enjoyed that as a kid. There was enough here where I was like, OK, there's enough here for me, um, though. I got to tell you, you know, there's that there's this one moment in the book. Where I'm like, OK, Wayne's out. <laughs> you know, because yeah. the they dog, firebomb the dog. Yeah, the dog does die. And uh, but yeah, I mean, you saw that coming. I mean, it was just such yeah. a so, so telegraphed at the beginning of the book. We need a website like Does the Dog Die for Comics? <laughs> uh, yeah, well, don't read the Dark and the Bloody this week from Vertigo either, because a whole sack of puppies dies in that one. <laughs> that is not cool. <laughs> yeah, don't don't do that. On page I mean, three, it happens. Is it like a, a wet sack? <laughs> it, 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 that, well, that is how they die. <laughs> Anyway, I, you know, I was entertained. I was entertained enough to uh, to try out issue two, for and me, it was only a buck ninety nine. It was only a buck ninety nine, but for me, I don't know. Reading about insane superheroes, just you know, the thing about Moon Knight when I, I like Moon Knight when they less when they go less crazy with him, right? Um, than when they go full on crazy. Uh, so this character they went full on crazy with, and I just I didn't care for it. Um, so I, I am I will not be picking up Badger number two. I was surprised that I liked the artwork as much as I did. You know, I was expecting I was expecting not to care for the artwork, and I actually liked it rather a lot. I mean, it wasn't like it wasn't like the best artwork, but I enjoyed it for the, for the for what it was. Um, and I thought that it was effective. Lots of really good fight scenes. I thought some of the uh, the uh, you know, choreography on the fight scenes was interesting. Um, you know, again, you know from the moment he gets the dog that the dog is going to die because you know that's just the, just the kind of book they're setting up. Yeah. But, now, is know, that uh, is that inspired by the original series? I'm honestly, not familiar with the original. Badger. Honestly, I don't remember. Or is this like it's, a John Wick type thing? <laughs> I I don't recall. I uh, it's been so long. I mean, it has been God. Paul, it's been 30 years. I mean, it's been a long time since uh, since I read a Badger book. But, you know, I, I I just, I do have fond memories of it. I mean, I literally, I have no, none in my collection, it, it, but it's been a really long time. Hmm. A really well, long time. You know what else I won't be checking out, Aaron? Oh, dear. I don't mean to turn funny books into the anti-Kevin Smith podcast. <laughs> yeah. Because I, I really, I mean, I got to be honest, Kevin Smith was one of my favorite filmmakers when I was younger. I mean, I loved his first, like, four or five films. I mean, passionately loved, uh, the, you know, him as a man and, and, and everything. But, God damn, I can't stand that guy anymore. Um, especially because, on camera. Is it because he's a whore? <laughs> <laughs> Well, so um, let, let me preface this by saying that they announced that AMC will be doing a new late-night talk show, a weekly talk show, uh, hosted by Kevin Smith and Greg Grunberg. And the sad thing is, I really like Greg Grunberg. Yeah. I really dislike Kevin Smith, uh, especially on camera. Uh, and it's basically uh, – it's a half-hour show that will, quote, take a timely look at pop culture through a fanboy lens with discussion, video clips, interviews, and out-of-studio segments. Yeah, I could be less interested. I would. I. It, it, I think this happens a lot. 
and every time it doesn't go right, <laughs> like the Will Wheaton show or whatever. Um, well, I, I will say, you know, AMC's got a better track record at, you know, producing things other than true. Comic Book Men. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was going to point yeah. out was Comic Book Men, because I really hate that show. I do, too. But, you know, I, I got to tell you, I, I listened to Kevin Smith's uh, Fat Man on Batman. Uh, that is the, his podcast that I've subscribed to. That and Talk Salad, their, his Frasier podcast. <laughs> but... Uh, I'm still a avid Hollywood Babylon listener because I, I love Ralph. I like Ralph, and if I could just have Ralph on that po- on uh, Hollywood Babylon, I'd take it. I just get tired of listening to Kevin Smith. The reason why I listen to Fat Man on Batman is that I really like Mark Bernardin. Uh, I think Mark Bernardin's got a lot of interesting things to say, but I get very annoyed with Kevin Smith because he repeats himself so frequently. You know, I mean, on every episode of Fat Man with ba- Fat Man and ba- Fat Man with Batman, he uh, is always talking about, well, that's why you got Mark Bernardin on, because he knows how to talk. He's a writer, yada, yada, yada. I mean, every every goddamn week, you could turn it into a drinking game. Or, in Kevin Smith's, uh, in Kevin Smith's case, you know, a smoking pot game. But, uh, <laughs> I, yeah. I, when I heard the uh, geeking out, I was really hoping this was going to be a pilot that him and Ralph had done. Well, doesn't it feel like, because, you know, they were trying to sell a Hollywood Babylon to AMC, right? Um it feels like AMC said, yeah, we like it, but we don't like Ralph. Let's give you this other guy. Yeah, and what does, they isn't, mi- does, isn't that what it feels like? It does. And what yeah. they missed was that Ralph is what makes Hollywood Babylon. Right. He's the one that does all of the research, brings all the stories, and Kevin's just kind of gets high and shows up. Yeah. Now, I lo- exactly, and that's why I stopped listening to Hollywood Babylon, because I really – I, I, I find myself getting disgusted listening to Kevin Smith be high. And it's one of the reasons why I'm really enjoying Fat Man on Batman, because they've moved to a video podcast, and he can't smoke on the video podcast. So, you know, he's not as lit as he typically is. Um, I'm, I have never heard Greg Grunberg uh, talk you know, as a, as a, as a talk show host or, you know, on a podcast or something. So I don't know really what to expect from him. I like Greg Grunberg in, uh, you know, the, the films that I've seen him in and TV shows, but I, I don't know what to expect from him in that, but it sounds like he's going to be the front man and, you know, Kevin Smith is the sidekick, you know? So, you know, he's going to be the Ed McMahon of the series. And I just, I think I could do a little less with the Kevin Smith persona. Yeah. I'm, so. I'm with you on that. And I don't know, I mean, here, here's the thing. I, 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 he's he's doing things for our hobby, and I, I I do applaud him for that. I just I object to the fact that he is kind of the poster boy for our for our genres. For our as hobby, do I for our, for our segment of the world. Yeah, everyone's like, oh, well, you're like Kevin Smith. No, <laughs> no. Well, you're either like Kevin Smith or you're like the guys from The Big Bang Theory. And I'm like, no, oh, like God. not at all. Yeah. You know, can, can we get some different poster boys? Can, yeah. can you know? Can Tom Cruise? Well, not Tom Cruise. Can someone <laughs> that people like come out and say they like comic books and and be our poster boy? Yeah, Aaron's our poster boy. That's right. C- can right. someone we like come out? <laughs> and be our poster boy? But it's can somebody who actually reads books and knows what they're talking about be the poster boy? Because they keep going to Smith for all of these interviews and things, and it's pretty obvious he doesn't read anything anymore. No, well, and his his uh, archival knowledge is sketchy as well. You know, I yeah. mean, he he purports to be such a great big comic book fan, but I you know I th- even and even though he owns a you know a comic book shop, right? I find that his knowledge is a little sketchy, 
don't get me wrong, I don't expect him to have encyclopedic knowledge. But if you're going to brand yourself as someone who does, I think you need to have it as opposed to just claiming to have it. You know, that's, what, that's, what, that's what bugs me about him. So and many again, things bug me about him. Again, we, I don't want to, you know, we're not a Kevin Smith bashing podcast, and I know we do it frequently, but I think it's just because he has done great things in in the past. <laughs> and, uh, you know, like like you said, I th- it would just be nice if to, to for for our hobby, which we love so much, to have a, a bit more of a, a knowledgeable, legitimate poster boy. Yeah, it's not that we hate him; it's just that we're disappointed. Yeah, but you know what <laughs> I'm I will not say. Angry. I'm just disappointed. What I will say that Kevin Smith is very talented at is surrounding himself with people who who are extremely talented. Uh, you know, like he, you know, Matt Myra on the Talk Salad podcast, Ralph Garman on Hollywood Babylon, and uh, Mark Bernardin on Fat Man with Batman. And nobody on his uh, stupid comic book podcast. Sure, no doubt. Nobody. No doubt. And I'm sorry, that's Fat Man on Batman, not with Batman. Yeah, <laughs> I, I love you, Travis. He's on. The best. <laughs> <laughs> so, Tim. Yeah. You read all new X Men this week. I did. And, and you had um, some thoughts that you would like to share with us. I'm on Low Ranger on this one. Okay. All right, let's do it. Okay, I, I, I was going to make this quick anyways. So this story is setting up all new X-Men versus you, what you would typically describe as the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. So last issue, we got to see Toad kind of in a bar saying he's going to get him. This issue, you get to see the blob. But the real story is the 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 interaction between Angel and X twenty three. So throughout the comic, you see X twenty three doing the Wolverine thing of taking bullets and going into fires because you know she can basically. And you see Angel kind of watching the you know the woman he loves just do that, and he's he's torn up about it. And I gotta say, it, it's kind of it's kind of a different. Different story than we're getting in than in All New Wolverine. In All New Wolverine, it seems like they've kind of reconciled that a little bit more, <laughs> or he's just not whining about it. I guess I don't know. And so you know, the kind of the, the climax is Warren's like, this, just because you can do it doesn't mean you should. And then like a fight happens. So. I'm a little concerned that they may be breaking up what I've one of the main things I like about this book <laughs> and they're doing it in issue four. They're, they're leading towards it in issue four. So maybe maybe it's just a false flag. Maybe they'll you know, they'll come through it, but man I was like, You guys can't do that in issue four. Like give me give me you know, five more issues of it before you do something like that. You know? Yeah. Before you shake up the status quo of something you just started. Trouble in Paradise. That said, I am excited to see all new, you know, the the teenage X Men versus a more experienced um, Brotherhood of Evil Mutants group. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It could be just because, like, in this issue, Blob kicks Wolverine's X twenty three's ass. She just stomps it, and I'm like, that that doesn't seem right. And I'm like, wait, let's think about this. They're all teenage superheroes. And the Brotherhood's been around for, you know, whatever. Let's just say roughly 20 years. Yeah. That would make sense then. (laughs) You know, that they're fighting a more experienced group, and that's what will happen. Just like when they, you know, when the teenage X-Men were fighting the the sons of Cyclops, 
think the Sons of Cyclops got their asses handed to them because they've been around for like all of like two weeks, right? Yeah. So it was kind of a cool juxtaposition, in my opinion. So well, overall, I'm 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 a little like I said, I'm a little concerned they're going to take away something I like about the book, but they might just be red herring. Yeah. Well, I really, you know, while I will be sad if they break apart your favorite comic book couple, my favorite comic book couple is in comic stores next week. Power Man and Iron Fist, number one. Uh, uh. <laughs> Sweet Christmas. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, some other shit. But really, Power Man and Iron Fist <laughs> is really the only one worth reading. <laughs> That's Paul's way of being lazy. That's right. I am not. That's Paul's way of saying there ain't shit out next week. Well, and there wasn't Power much Man. out this week, for crying out loud. Yeah, so... Uh, you know, I'm sure we'll find some good stuff to talk about. I shouldn't say that. Huck number four comes out from Image Comics, and I'm looking forward to that because Huck's been a really good yeah, series Huck, thus far. Huck has been great. And uh, if you are reading things in trade paperback, Godzilla in Hell comes out from IDW, and that was a dynamite series. No, I can't recommend it. Really? Uh, first issue was great. Everything else was downhill from there. I got to be fair. I got to be honest. I only read the first two because I haven't caught up, but I like the first two. I like the first one. <laughs> so, Paul, right, it sounds well, like you have no excuse for going to see Deadpool this weekend. <laughs> I'm going to go see Deadpool this weekend. In fact, I'm going to go see it right now. So, yes. All right, guys. Catch you next week. Have a good one. Paul's at it. Bye. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast. So here's my story. I had ten dollars on a gift card, and when I brought my comics up, they came up to eleven something. Oh. I had no, I had no money, and I'm like, I'm not breaking out the credit card for a dollar. <laughs> I'm like, please put Wolverine back. Could you just tell him I'm good for it, man? I'm good for it. <laughs> you know, if the, if it was the owner, I know he would have, but it was like you know other guy. So He's there's no way he would have because after. you know I wouldn't for anybody. Back in the day, you know, when I used to shop at the brick and mortar comic book shop, uh, they had a they had a new guy at the register at Zeus, and I said, "No, I'm supposed to get the 25% discount." And he's like, "Oh, I'm sorry, it says 20%." I said, "Look, you know, I, I know you're new here, but uh, you know, I'm Richard's brother, and I'm pretty much going to be running this place soon, so you really want to get in on my good side." <laughs> yeah. Well, that guy doesn't know how to with you at all. You're not Richard's brother, are you? I am not Richard's brother. (laughs) (laughs) That's the best. (laughs) And that was the last time Aaron went to Zeus. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to be running this place soon. Give me my 25%. (laughs) So the moral of the story is Aaron spent $300, saved himself about four bucks, and he was ecstatic. It never came back. (laughs) 